Hello and welcome to another episode of Video Game Logic. Today's episode was recorded on February the 7th, 2023. I'm your host, Game and Psychologist, and with me, as always, bringing me medicine to my bedside. Caffeine Rage. On today's show, we're going to be doing our January Game Club, a smidgen late, that being Disco Elysium. We will tell you our next Game Club for February. We've got a new story about Disco Elysium, them being accused or... Their, their studio being accused of ousting the creators. And for the community corner, AMD is undershipping chips to balance its CPU and GPU supply. Timestamps will be in the show notes following their respective topics. Hello, Rage. Hello. Yep, I was patient zero for illness that has now torn through my office and my home. Um, I, uh, it was not COVID. And I tested negative for the flu, but everyone in my orbit has tested positive. What we think happened is that I picked up the flu from someone somewhere. And then because I've had a flu shot, it didn't turn into like full blown flu for me. But everyone who I've come into contact with it, it did become or it, it, it was the flu. So that was that was sucky. I had, I had several really like three really unhappy days last week, but then the rest of them were OK. What about you? Uh, pretty much standard stuff. I mean, it, it's, uh, yeah, I finished Game Club uh, assignment you know, last week in time for normal recording, so didn't have a lot to do there. Uh, we uh, did start working on picking out a few games on the Steam Next Fest, which is ongoing, so I'll have some things to talk about next week. Okay. Uh, I, I urge you, if you, you know, have the time, obviously, uh, pick out a few demos. We could have a little mini game club discussion next week. I should do that. That would be good. I honestly forgot all about Next Fest, even though it's I, plastered I all did, across the. I didn't even think page. about it until yeah, I saw it. You know, uh, when it started. Uh, well, yesterday, I should say. The, uh, I saw it uh, fire up and downloaded probably about half a dozen different things. Yeah, the number one recommended for me, Sons of Valhalla. Yes, I would like to try that. Well, there's also Xenonauts 2 on there. Ooh. I have to check that out. Try at 2. I'll leave that one to you. Void Train. I have seen, I remember trailers for that at I think E3 a couple of years ago. And Phantom Bridge. Yeah. Well, I found one that uh, if they can sort out the issues with the game, it'll be a fucking amazing one because it's almost something uh, that, uh, well, something very similar to what we talked about during Pitch a Game ages ago. Yeah. It's very similar to either something I talked about or I had in my notes to uh, talk about. And I can't remember which it is. So. And there's also uh, one that was just utterly broken on my system. I'm not sure just drivers or what, but it was. Uh, it also had this kind of uncanny valley because it was a uh, European developer making a game about Route 66. So everything was in metric. Yeah, interesting. <laughs> oh, there's so many things. 
and has recommended so many good, interesting things. Ooh, Darkest Dungeon 2. I don't know why I'm excited about that. We played Darkest Dungeon, and it disappointed both of us. But, all right, I got I to gotta stop looking at this. Yeah, we have other games to talk about, because we- it's Game Club Week. It Only is Game Club Week. Late. <laughs> well, you know. Yeah, so, you're yeah. You're getting people sick. I was. I was. So, for anyone who doesn't know, in case this is the first time you've ever joined us, we're sorry, but also not really. Uh, Game Club is designed for that, uh, where that we, being the two of us, and you, the listener, if you're interested, can play the same game at the same time. We announce it usually um, with a, a month to go so that you have time to play it. And then we talk about it together on the show, and you, the audience, if you would like, can submit stuff to tell us what you think about it. Uh, this past month, um, we played Disco Elysium, a game that I had played a bit before but had not finished, and you had interest in but had not played. And uh, Actually, I think you gave it to me for Christmas one day, or my birthday. I uh, believe... Year. Yeah, I think it was last year I gave it to you for... Christmas or your birthday? Like last year being 2021. Yeah, it's just uh kind of got lost in the shuffle and ended up on the game club list. Yeah. Which feel like a little bit of a dick on that one, but played the okay. fuck out of it now. Yeah. Um we uh for for game club, we don't really hold anything back. We spoil stuff, we talk very freely and openly about whatever. You know, this is your warning. We do try to give a a little little spiel at the beginning. Disco Elysium is a beautiful, wonderful, horrific fever dream, but like in the best way. Horrific is not like in horrible, but like that the game can get extremely dark. It does not shy away from difficult or possibly controversial um material. I say controversial. Uh, uh, only I think time it, only time it uh uh kind of shies away from that is reading the derogatory uh, term for gay people. Yeah. That's the only time that really shot away from it. Yeah. But um you know, but so it, it's there is some some horrificness there. It it stares, you know, it, it does the thing that art very often can do in a way that nothing else can and and stares some of that nastiness down. And makes you deal with it. So there is some hor- you know, some horrificness to it. But I mean, it is a it is an A plus experience. This is an extremely strong contender. Even you know, even in January for Game Club of the Year game in yeah, my it's book, it'll be tough to beat. It's also uh, going to be I, tough. I, to- oh, I, sorry. I, go ahead. I, well, I was uh, I was going to bring up what I brought up to you uh, before we started. This reminds me a lot of Yakuza. Not in the fact that it's all spectacle, but that it's so dense and there's so much there that there was a couple of times that I would just get uh, off into the weeds doing something completely unrelated to the main plot. Yeah. This, and, th- yeah. this is going to be a hard game to discuss because it's so it's so deep. It's so wide. It's so deep. There's such a breadth of information and lore and backstory that exists. And the game gives you bits and pieces of it. I mean, you have to. If you're going to engage with this game, you have to learn some of the backstory of this world. But there are tons of optional things you can learn um, and explore. And I, I 
pretty sure like some things you couldn't even get in one playthrough because you have to address multiple sides of the political spectrum. You have to use multiple types of stats in order to access certain mm-hmm. areas to get access and, to and the even the, of information. And even the skills you ha- uh, have taken or your starting skill set uh, influences the information that you're given and changes how things play out. Yeah. So the game is extremely dense and difficult to discuss. And I learned when I was reading, because the way that I do game club is I will play a game. I've said this before, but I will play a game. And then when we're about to do it, I'll read some reviews and maybe watch a couple of YouTube videos, things like that to, you know, get a widened perspective, see if there's anything that I missed. And I learned that like your, your partner can get knocked out or like, you know, taken out of the game. And then you get like a completely different person as your partner. And it's like some snotty, shitty kid that you meet in the first act. That's like, oh, what? Yeah, uh, How did you well, get I'm, here? Well, while I'm looking at it on TV Tropes, which is also another really good resource. Ooh, yeah. And it looks like essentially he gets a lot of respect for you for you know, surviving the big event that knocks out your partner. And. Uh, breaks it off with the other creepy kid that is kind of driving his mag- uh, madness. Because you have uh, Kuno and Kunanese, who uh, Kunanese is this controlling little girl that is pushing Kuno to be worse and worse and worse. And he's already an abused, psychotic kid. So, right? Yeah. But it also does look like you could uh, get a bit more respect. From them uh, by following a very particular path and having particular skills to trigger things. Yeah, I a lot of oh, this game damn. is very <laughs> situational in that front. But like, I mean, we'll you know we'll get there. But so for the first time ever, and I don't know when you want to do this. I don't know if you want to do this at the beginning, if you want to do it later. Mm-hmm. But we decided to just read the plot synopsis off of Wikipedia just to make sure that that and you as the others, od- of course, right? Yeah. But just to make sure that you, the audience, can get a a lay of the overall, you know, story of this game. But, I mean, there are easily dozens, probably hundreds of hours of gameplay here. Multiple playthroughs, multiple ways that you can tackle the game in order to find everything. And even then, you might still miss stuff. Yeah, considering, uh, well, how long to beat ha- is saying... Uh, 22 hours for the main story. Completionist is 45 hours. And I okay. think that's, and I think that's undershooting. I, I really do feel like that's undershooting. Um, yeah, but I guess, okay. I, I, we should either, and, and I don't care which order we do this in, but we should either talk about the story up top mm-hmm. or we should do the story kind of last. Like, uh, let's leave the story for last, and because a good portion of the game, especially that, I would say front third, the story doesn't really matter because it's all the mechanics and trying to figure out what the fuck. Yeah, you don't even learn about. Uh, I guess you could say like the you know sort of the mercenaries plot mm-hmm. for a huge portion of the game. Because that's that's all kind of tied into the unraveling the hanged man murder. Yeah. So. So you are a guy. 
at least in the very beginning. Yep, you're some guy. I mean, that that's pretty much it. You wake up in an absolutely destroyed uh, hostel room. No memory of who you are, depending on what skills you took. You could have absolutely no idea of the world at all. And you're trying to piece together your own identity from your fractured psyche. Matter of fact, uh, you don't even get a proper character portrait until you look through a mirror and you just see you uh, yourself glaring back at you. Yes. <laughs> right? Now, I have also heard that if you don't look in the mirror, you don't get a character portrait for the entirety of the game. Yeah, you, yeah, you don't. Which I thought was a nice touch. And there's a few interpretations of you know, what happened to your character that you drank yourself essentially into the abyss and uh, your rowdy behavior before the game starts uh, that you discover over the course of the game uh, definitely leads itself to that. There are some of the supernatural elements of the game that uh, suggest that maybe that had a play in it as well because you know, some of your antics took you close to the Bermuda Triangle, as you put it. Yeah, that's the the best way to say it is is the Bermuda Triangle. So part of the world building aspect. I okay. So the developers behind this game developed. I don't know if they released it or not. I didn't even think to check that. But they developed a tabletop role playing game. This entire world, they spent years. It started out as like a hobby, you know, some guys in a basement shooting the shit about like, oh, we could make the next great tabletop RPG. And so they built the world behind this game. And so there's cities and factions and religions and wars and etc. And there is this huge area in the world that has sort of multiple smaller, similar areas that can kind of crop up in other places where that the easiest way to describe it is it's like the Bermuda triangle on steroids where that, you know, the, the laws of physics seem to stop working and that people, um, either go insane or sometimes develop some type of psychic abilities. And it's very fuzzy, you know, that gets used in the game as like the, the basis for religious rhetoric and, um, the main sort of religious faction, some of the um, racial politics in the game has to deal with people who have been exposed to this and have been able to develop psychic powers from it. But I don't know if you run into any of those people in the game. I didn't run into anybody who had psychic powers in the game, but it's there's it's in books and um, other things that you can find in the game and read about and listen to like old military veterans talk about and things like that. So how much of it is real versus myth-making in the game universe is, like, all kind of mapped out in the background and you're experiencing it. So there's everything in this game is intertwined with everything else. Yeah, and such a deep and wide history, uh, especially if you have the encyclopedia skill. Uh, and it just gives you a backstory, a backstory of... So much stuff. Uh, to the point that it's a little overwhelming just how much is there, right? Yeah. I could easily see a series of games just in this world. It doesn't even have to be this type of game. Yeah, they build up the world so richly, right? Yeah. 
Let's uh, some of the uh, let's okay from a gameplay mechanics perspective. This is an isometric RPG um, mm-hmm. that has no quote unquote action elements to it. Everything is is stats and dice rolls. Yeah. Um, it feels like you are playing a tabletop role playing game. Um, both in the terms of the way that you interact with anything that's beyond just a simple conversation that would be like role play between you and your DM or another character to things that do count as actions, trying to make a jump, throwing a punch, that kind of stuff. When those things do happen, they're dice rolls. Um, and uh, you well, can... well, even just uh, your conversations, there's dice rolls going on behind the scenes. Yeah. Uh, based off of uh, the skills, and that's what information you get like if your authority is high enough you know you have the authority voice trying to uh, tell you well you should stand up to this person uh but you know don't 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 push you around and that could also influence the actual actions you're able to take so there's far more dice rolls than what i think some people would realize is going on here yeah um so Sorry, I'm getting my, I saw, yeah, my sorry, thought chain back I, sorry, on track. Sorry, sorry, I jumped in. Oh, you're good. But yeah, so, you know, there's no action per se. I mean, there are tense and sort of action moments, action moments, but there's no, you know, button mashing. There's no anything like that. The, the most direct control is walking around and, and clicking on things to interact with, and then which sort of skill do you want to try to tackle this situation resulting in, in what kind of dice roll? And sometimes you don't get options. Sometimes if you have the skill, you can do something versus if you don't have the skill, you just can't. But in certain interactions or, you know, whatever, there are multiple ways to solve a puzzle, so to speak. Um, and that's it in terms of the basic gameplay. There's, well, I guess there's a, a clock, you know, a ticking clock. Um, Time Florida? passes in the game. Yeah, t- time passes in the game whenever you do certain things. Um, it's basically dialogue uh, advances the clock. Yeah, dialogue advances the clock. You can walk around pretty much as much as you want um, and interact with certain objects as much as you want. Dialogue advances the clock, and then you have to... Well, there's different things that you can do. You can go back to your hotel every night to sleep and that will advance the next in-game day, which is required at times to, you know, for time to pass and for things to change in the world. Um, or for quests to actually complete, because some of them require you, okay, we'll come back at this time tomorrow. And they literally mean that. Yeah. So, the other aspect of the gameplay mechanics is, because it is so RPG-based, there are a lot of skills. You've got four major categories. And I've got uh, 25 uh, uh, skills overall, plus uh, each of which has a voice. Yes. Uh, in your head. Uh, assuming that you put enough uh, points into them. So, and, you- uh, depending on your starting build, which is uh, assuming that you're not doing a custom one, is either a very physical cop, a very thinking cop, or a very intuitive cop. Yeah. But there's there's four large or there, there's four overall categories intellect, psyche, physique, and motorics, which roughly translates to intelligence, wisdom, strength, 
and dexterity. Very roughly. For anyone who hasn't played this, but is like, what the fuck is, you know, psyche, physique, and motorics? Um, that's roughly what they would translate to in your traditional, you know, D&D um, stats. And then each one has their sub skills underneath it um, that, like you said, have their own voices, which allow you to approach situations differently. When you, the skills get high enough, they will interject and they will talk to you. When you sleep, you will have dreams, nightmares. Uh, kind of a lucid nightmare. Yeah, where that the different voices talk to you based on, you know, the this kind of the progression path that you're taking. And these these sets of skills drastically alter your gameplay. Um, you know, you there's a third. So you, um, Harry, the, that's what you know. You find out your name. Well, that's not. I forget what your full name is. There, you know, you just go by Harry. Um, mm-hmm. Detective Harry is is one character. You get a partner um, named Kim. But there's a third, like a second partner, you can get if you have the right stats. Which is your tie? Yeah. Um, which I <laughs> interpreted. Harry or boy. Yeah, but your your tie. I interpreted the tie as like some kind of like psychic link to something, or as him being like um, schizophrenic, and so he's having these hallucinations of his tie talking to him, like he's per- personified his thought process into the tie. Yeah. See, I didn't have enough uh, skill points for whatever triggers the tie, so I didn't have the tie talk to me. At all during the game. Yeah. But I bet there's plenty of stuff you had that I didn't have. Uh, possibly. Uh, I kind of went off into left field and did a paranormal investigation and talked to the dice maker. Did you I also her? talked to the dice maker. Yeah. She made me a set of dice, but I didn't go off into the paranormal stuff. Uh, well, I kind of shot it down <laughs> and uh, pissed off the, uh, the bookshop owner whenever... Uh, she went by the fact that the dice maker was just a dice maker. And also, the dice maker is uh, able to make you additional dice beyond the two or one, depending on if you've passed that skill check. Uh, I got two dice. Uh, I got two dice as well. Uh, and the dice actually affect certain uh, skill checks in the early game. They actually do something. Nice. But... Yeah, my, I mean, my, I had a smattering of a lot of stuff, but I focused pretty heavy on the intellect um, and the motorics tree. Um, so I had you know, several points in logic, encyclopedia, yeah, um, visual calculus, rhetoric. Yeah, I, I really like the visual calculus, even though it only pops up a couple times, uh, you know, seeing the kind of the recreation in his head. Yeah, but. I mean, these, you know, each of these skills, you could go off and left, you know, into left field talking about each of them individually. I think there's so much that they each do. Then you have another system. Um, oh, shoot. I'm drawing a blank on it. Where you internalize concepts. What is that called? Uh, th- uh, the thought box. Your, th- your thought box. Yeah. So yeah, the, re- the, the uh, shit compressor. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, your your thought cabinet. There it is. Um, throughout the game, you start out with, with a couple that it gives you to kind of tease the system for you. But throughout the game, the more you sort of go down a certain path, 
um, towards certain to towards ideas like communism versus capitalism versus I forget what the religion one is called. Um, or uh, there's one for like an I think it's called art degree. Um, well, there's a bunch of there's them. And, oh yeah and, there's a and some of them are just uh, one offs. Uh, you know, like data birth generator. Uh, acquired after Harry wonders when he was born. Uh, and all of them have some sort of uh, penalty while going on. Or I shouldn't say all of them. Most of them have some sort of penalty. But then uh, once they uh, go through, which has a research time, and each of them has a different time that it takes, uh, it will give you... It will remove the temporary detriment or bonus and then give you a permanent one yep like uh for example i said data birth generator it didn't have a research bonus or a detriment but whenever uh you uh internalize it which is you know finishing the research which for that one is seven hours 15 minutes i'm looking at the list yeah I am if too. the learning cap of logic is raised to four and negative one difficulty to all uh uh, FYS skills. I'm gonna have to look at the <laughs> uh the skills to figure out which one that is. Uh, but it's basically, uh, physique or sorry, psych- not psychic. Uh, to all psychic uh, uh skill checks. So it makes things like empathy, authority, suggestion, uh, volition, uh, easier to process. Yeah. And some of them are very powerful, and others are almost a uh, hard uh, mode, or you know, uh, for a very particular playstyle. And then there's ones that do odd things, like there's one that, uh, uh, uh the homosexual underground stopped obsessing about sexuality allows you to discuss sexuality with Kim. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. One of my favorites, which I actually did get, was Hobocop. Um, <laughs> yeah, I did get Hobocop, but yeah, I know of it. Yeah, if you... um, I don't know what the... I don't yeah, know for sure the end what of the, the game, I started looking at some of the ones uh, to figure out what to grab, because I was having... You know, I was coming... I knew I was coming up on the end of the game. There's like... The game gives you a soft warning about... uh. Uh, point of no return, then a hard warning about point of no return. Yeah. But I don't, I'm not 100% sure how you get Hobocop. I'm sure I could like, it says here, gained after Harry first refers to himself as Hobocop. But I don't know what triggers uh, him okay. referring himself as a Hobocop. I actually Hobo know Cop. that one because I started up a second game with a different skill set. Uh, whenever you're talking to Gart at the beginning of the game, uh, trying to settle your bill, you talk about well going to sleep in the, uh, uh, a dumpster. You know, I could become a hobo cop. That's it. I got. I see. But hobo cop um, lets you find extra things on the street to sell to the junk store, <laughs> which is useful at the beginning. But then later, you know, after the first probably two in-game days, it was not a problem anymore. To, to well, it also depends money. on how lucky you get because. Uh, okay, here's one. Uh, did you have Kim uh, help you out with money? Uh, 
Yes. About getting the wheels? Yeah. Well, after that, uh, did you... I know I mentioned it to you before, you didn't, and you didn't then. Did you get uh, the light-bending ultra uh, or mega-rich guy? Uh, no, I did not. I never did. Okay, so he was in one of the crates in the harbor, and basically, if you pass a couple skill checks with him, he'll just give you 100 rail, which is you know, an absolute fortune for what you have at the time. Yeah. Uh, whenever you talk to him about the plans that, uh, uh, the fat guy in the uh, harbor uh, is wanted to build the community center, if you tell him, well, you should fund this, it's going to give back to the kids, and he's like, oh, well, yeah, I can do that, right? And then he gives you the money? Mm-hmm. And then you can yeah. do whatever you want with it? Yep. Nice. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I never, I never talked to that guy. Or, yeah, I at least didn't trigger that if I talked mm-hmm. to him. But, yeah, so, you know, these things are ways to essentially augment your character. And you can take ones specifically that help you, take ones that seem true to a play style, or you can take ones that are ultimately going to be harmful to you to make the, the playthrough more more harmful. But they're, they're a really neat idea that I like for how to shape your character. They feel very much like um, taking a... Uh, like a talent in in D anD D when you level up, whenever you get an attribute. Yeah, the only it, thing I really didn't like about the thoughts was that you had no idea what was going to happen once the you internalized the thought, which, uh, as a gameplay perspective, was a little frustrating. But that's eh, right. Yeah, I leaned very hard communist, like very <laughs> hard communist, very hard. Um. Uh, into just like being empathetic towards people. Yeah, see, I, was, I was empathetic, and I also got sorry, cop, cop, because I kind of played it as you know Harry basically you know wiped himself out, and the asshole that he was is just dead now. Yeah, uh, especially after learning some more about what happened. Yeah. And trying to make amends, like, you know, I gave uh, Gart a, a new bird. Or do you know what I'm talking about? Can you say that again? You I gave Gart a, a new bird. Um, which okay, one that's a, the, okay, that's a... Uh, is the, he the, uh, the... The barkeep. The barkeep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't get him a new bird, but I... Oh, see, yeah. I got him a new bird, and it made him... It made him very, very uh, kind to me afterwards. Basically, he's been trying to f- repair this uh, taxidermy bird that uh, I destroyed in my, you know, drunken karaoke. <laughs> yeah, drunken karaoke, <laughs> karaoke stupor. Yeah. Uh, which also did the karaoke. Uh, but at one point, I was able to find a burb uh, in the fishing village, which I may have stolen from, uh, 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 you know, a poor... Uh, uh, fishing family. <laughs> uh, I performed the jam rock shuffle. What can I say? Right. I, I internalized that and uh, took that to heart. And basically kind of, uh, you know, was trying to make amends. So I gave that to Gart. And it wasn't exactly the bird that I destroyed. You know, the same species. But he appreciated the gesture. And kind of made amends. To the point that... uh. 
I think that's kind of one of the major things that made Kim actually like me towards the end. Because I know I annoyed him in the beginning, you know, having to explain everything. Yeah. Uh, but about, you know, midway through the game, uh, Kim started to really warm up to me. Yeah, Kim and I became, I don't know if I would say friends, but we were very amicable towards one another. Mm-hmm. Um, in the beginning of the game, he treats you with some you know, cold, distant respect. And especially, you know, once you start to learn about your character and Kim realizes that before whatever happened to you, you were like a really successful cop who has turned down promotion a couple of times to keep solving cases. So he's got some respect for you and then you can build or or lose that based on how you act because you can be a racist piece of shit to Kim if you want to be. Oh, several times. But... I was I was not I was never a racist. I always went to you know was tried to be like a nerdy communist uh nice guy. That was that was every opportunity I got. I was like, yeah. Power to the people, down with with capital. Also, let's all just be nice and do drugs together. That was that was every every interaction with everybody that I could have. Yeah, I also I uh, kind of played the sober element that yo, know, I pretty much destroyed myself. Yeah. Let's not do that anymore, right? Yeah. And that's one thing that I think also at the end, uh, Kim stood up for me and said that, yeah, uh, laid out that I had not taken or drank anything in the week that they've been, that we've been together. Oh yeah. No, I still, I still had some booze and used some Kims and whatnot, used some drugs. Um, going down that path is interesting because you you have to fight um the urge to not become addicted again basically um and there are some dialogue scenes where it gives you a choice there are some dialogues where that it's more of a dice roll and it, you get modifiers based on your previous choices um i kind of rode the line but i didn't fall back into addiction i'm i mostly just used them to boost my stats when i needed them boosted for something mm-hmm. um you can save scum as well the game does uh, not use a seed yeah there uh, there is a iron man mode though there is but i do not play in that yeah same uh and for some of them yeah it, it does hurt yeah it's the xcom uh issue 90% chance. Fail. Reload. Fail. Reload. Fail. Reload. Fail. All right? Yep. But Which I know. I know. 90% chance still has a 10% chance of failure. But damn, right? Yeah. I I save scummed a few times. Um, There were a couple of times I got lost. Like, not being able to find a certain piece of... Uh, information or a clue or some of like uh my own equipment in the beginning mm-hmm. when you're still like have lost everything so there are a couple of times i got lost and i'm like hang on maybe like i surely i missed something surely i'm the problem here um uh, you know i'm too dense oh no you, uh, no some of your equipment you don't get back till way late in the game yeah 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 absolutely but i i thought that i was the problem so um, I looked a few things up, and I'm like, oh, well, if I just do this, I can get to this one piece a little bit earlier. And so I, I did do that a couple of times. It's like I had one thing that was like a 13% chance to make a jump. 
And I just kept safe scumming that over and yeah. over again. Yeah, I did that a couple times myself, especially the jump, but it was like a 40% chance and I failed it three times in a row. Yeah. And I, I'm actually not sure how you're supposed to do that if you don't do the jump. I'm not sure either. Thank you. Maybe, about, all right. Maybe there's a way. I mean, you there can reach. You can retry a lot of things after uh, okay, time so, has passed. Uh, so, okay, so there's two different types of uh, dice rows, rolls. Uh, there's the white checks, which whenever you fail one of those, it could unlock either via a thought. Uh, some of the thoughts unlock uh, uh, previously locked white checks by a dice from the dice maker, uh, if it's one of the dice that affects that check. Or by leveling up the skill associated with that check. So, like, physical... I think that's physical instrument. Uh, that particular instance. So, yeah. let's say you failed the jump and it was a 50-50. Well, you could... Uh, on your next level up by going off doing other things, uh, put a point in physical instrument and it resets that check. The only time it's you can't redo something if it's a red check... And those are usually story-related and uh, plot-related uh, checks. You know, like a particular encounter, you know, towards the middle of the story, which I'm not sure if we're ready to talk about yet, uh, has a couple of red checks on it. And technically, you can save-scum those, but you don't have to. Yeah. I didn't save-scum any red checks, just because I was like, this is the story I'm going to get. I'm not going to... Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know what's coming, like, story-wise. I'm not going to... You know, oh, I got some successes uh, on some very long shots on uh, the on some of the story beats. But so, is there anything else mechanics wise that we should talk about? That's what I was just thinking. Um, oh, you I can can't... carry uh, <laughs> pretty much uh, the entire city in your pocket, and Kim calls you out on it. <laughs> that's one kind of thing that's kind of funny is the. Okay, there's a lot of clothes that gives individual skill bonuses and detriments. And trying to balance out what you uh, skills you have without knowing what's coming up leads to some wild fashion choices. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I had some weird clothes, you know, some weird fashion, but mm-hmm. I, I always just, like, picked a look instead. Well, I, I either would pick a look that I liked and stick with that for a while. Or I would just be like, yeah, screw it. I'm just going to max this stat as much as I can right now. So I'm going to wear these kinds of clothes. Yeah. I mean, I really went, you know, like I said, I had a smattering of stuff in places. But I mean, I really went heavy on the, you know, sort of the the smarty pants character. Well, before we dive into the story, I do need to step away for just a moment. Sorry about that. Okay. Good natural pause point. Well... He has been sipped away for several minutes now. I wonder if something happened. Oh, he just dropped out. Um, well, let's send him a message. Just dropped you. Everything okay? So we'll find out. Let me drag Discord over here in this monitor. Well, it might just wind up being uh, the two of us to finish this. Three, if you count, Craig. I'll sit here quietly for another few minutes before we pack it in if I don't hear from him. Um, that way you can ease my editing. Oh, oh I'm he's back. back. I guess it dropped me while I was gone? Yeah, it dropped you. 
Uh, it made the boop boop noise. I was like, "Oh shit, Craig, where'd he go?" Oh, it turns out, uh, uh, my intestines weren't the only one that failed a dice roll. No, grody. Uh, too much coffee on an empty stomach. I think you uh, you feel feel okay, feel better. Yeah, I, well, I feel better now. <laughs> you know what? Fair, fair play. Um, okie dokie. Let me get over here to the synopsis. All right. Are are you good? Are you ready? Yeah. All right. So, um, like I said earlier, I, for the first time ever, I'm just going to read the Wikipedia plot synopsis to give a, an overview of the story. Are you ready? The player character wakes up in a trashed hostel room in Martinez with a severe hangover and no memory of his own identity. He meets Lieutenant Kim Kitsuragi, who informs him that they have been assigned to investigate the death of a hanged man in an empty lot behind the hostel. The victim's identity is unclear, and initial analysis of the scene indicates that he was lynched by a group of people. The detectives explore the rest of the district, following up on leads while helping residents with a variety of tasks. In the course of the investigation, the player character learns that he is a decorated RCM detective, Lieutenant Double Yefrieder, meaning he twice declined promotion from his current rank, Harrier Harry Dubois. Harry experienced an event several years ago that began a midlife crisis, and on the night he was assigned to the hangman case, he finally snapped and embarked on a self-destructive three-day bender around Martinez. Harry and Kim discover the hangman is connected to an ongoing strike by the Martinez Dock Workers Union against the Wild Pines Group, a major logistics corporation. They interview union boss Everett Clare and Wild Pines negotiator Joyce Messier. Joyce reveals that the hanged man was Colonel Ellis Lely Courtenaire, the commander of a squad of mercenaries sent by Wild Pines to break the strike. She warns that the rest of the mercenaries have gone rogue and will likely seek retribution for Lillet's death. Harry and Kim then uncover that Lillet was killed before the hanging, and the Hardy Boys, a group of dock workers who act as vigilantes, claim responsibility for the murder. They assert that Lillet attempted to rape a hostile guest named Cloche. When questioned, Cloche reveals that Lillet was shot in the mouth while the two were having consensual sex. Unable to figure out the origin of the bullet and fearful of the authorities due to her past as a corporate spy, Clajay enlisted the help of a truck driver and union sympathizer named Ruby, who staged the lace hanging with the rest of the Hardy Boys. The detectives find Ruby hiding in an abandoned building, where she incapacitates them with a radio wave-based device normally used to aid in traversing the pale. That's the uh, what I referred to earlier as the Bermuda Triangle on steroids, the pale. She claims that a cover-up was Clajay's idea and has no idea who shot Lillet. Harry manages to either resist or disable the pale device and tries to arrest Ruby, but she believes Harry to be a corrupt cop and either escapes or kills herself. When did you Big difference. Uh, she escaped. Uh, same. I was able to talk her down from killing herself. Yeah. Uh, the detectives then stumble across a standoff between the rogue mercenaries and the Hardy Boys. A firefight breaks out, and Harry is wounded, leaving him unconscious for several days. Most of the mercenaries are killed in the incident, and Kim may also be hospitalized, in which case street urchin Kuno offers to take his place as Harry's partner. The detectives chase down their remaining leads and determine that the shot that killed the lay come from an old fortress on the isle just off of Martinez's shoreline. The detectives, I'm getting close, 
Two more paragraphs. Mm -hmm. The detectives explore the ruins to find the shooter, a former commissar of Revenshall Communist Army named Yosef Lilinovich Dross. Yosef reveals that he shot Lele with his sniper rifle in a fit of anger and jealousy. His motivations were born out of his bitterness towards the capitalist system. Lele represented (laughs) as well as sexual envy for cliché. The detectives arrest him for the murder. At this point, an insectoid cryptid known as the Insulundian phasmid appears from the reeds. It is revealed the phasmid indirectly set off a chain of events leading to the murder. As its presence near the fort where the oblivious Yosef lived inadvertently affected the man's mind for years, stoking his zealotry and resentment. Harry may have a psychic conversation with the phasmid, who tells him that it is fearful of the notion of his unstable mind, but awed by his ability to continue existing. It comforts Harry, telling him to move on from the wreck of his life. Harry and his partner are confronted by his old squad upon their return to Martinez. They reflect on Harry's actions during the game, particularly whether he solved the case and how he handled the mercenaries. Lieutenant Jean Vickamere, Harry's usual partner, confirms that Harry's emotional breakdown was the result of his fiancée leaving him years ago. In the best possible outcome, the squad expresses hope that Harry's state will improve in the future and invites him and either Kim or Kuno to join a special RCM unit. Ooh, I got the best uh, ending. I did not. I already said they. Uh, Kim was fine, but I did not um, get enough uh, bromance points. Yeah, I guess. Did you have the psychic conversation with no, the? the I had like thing? a two percent chance. Uh, I did try to save Scumman a couple times to see if I got a critical success, but. That was about yeah. the only way I was going to do it. I, I think it, it required something I had no skill points in. Yeah. That's why I said earlier I thought I was having a psychic conversation with my tie. Because mm-hmm. I did have the psychic conversation with the cryptid. Ah. It's, I you know, I just read off, I don't know, 500 words maybe, describing a story that took me 26 hours to play through. And like, yeah, those are all the high points. Those are the major, I would say, checkpoints along the the story. Yeah, but it misses, uh, you know, uh, the grunge electronic band. <laughs> yeah, uh, uh, misses the uh, the, uh, the cryptozoologists. The entire standoff between the uh, the, the communal, the, the factory workers, and the scabs. Mm-hmm. And like I, I just breezed right through that because I was a union, I was a union boy. So I like told the scab to fuck off and walked up to the union guy and was like, "Hey, I'm union. Can I come through, please? I need to talk to, you know, Yosef or whatever his name is, the the, you know, the the dock master." And they were like, "Yeah, sure, fuck the scabs." I'm like, "Yeah, fuck the scabs." But apparently, and I was looking at this. Apparently, there's a whole rigmarole you have to go through if you don't sympathize with the union workers in order to get past them. But, like, that's a major plot point for the first third of the game that you can either breeze through if you have, you know, quote-unquote, the right actions, or not. And, you know, there are so many other areas. I had done Joyce. Um, my Where I had stopped playing was after I had my big conversation with Joyce. And in yeah, some see, ways... I, I only had partial conversation with Joyce. I meant to go back. And then, you know, uh, shit went down. 
Yeah, what I think you're supposed to do is go talk to her once and then come back and talk to her again. But I talked to her kind of at the end of that first story arc, that first third. And so I only had one conversation with her and it was massive. Um, And then that's where I stopped playing for a while and then came back to later and picked up from there. Um, But I had done basically everything else that you could. And she was the last thing that I did as sort of my like key checkpoint for the first act before I could move forward. And But I do think that you're supposed to talk to her much sooner because she gives you a bunch of information. I'm like, oh, yeah, I figured that out on my own. I figured that out by talking to this other group of people or by having the right sort of sympathies and getting past certain issues or being smart enough to solve the first couple of bits of the hanged man uh, crime. But I, I love that. This game really, well, really makes uh, me feel ahead. like I'm playing a tabletop experience. And it's also the closest... The that the uh, the dock workers strike uh, really had nothing to do with it. It didn't have you know some sort of grand conspiracy outside of you know the Hardy Boys you know trying to you know set things up. Yeah, uh, it was just the setting, and it did immediately caught me a little off guard. But then looking back at it, you know it. Uh, was very obvious that it wasn't the union. I mean, there was the footsteps uh, in the uh, pinball area, which, yes, I did play pinball. Yep. Uh, that, you know, didn't match up to anyone, so, you know, that made it suspicious. But then the gunshot wound on the statue, right? Yeah. I mean, and when you a, try to shoot down the body, you can you can miss and you can shoot the body. I'm sorry. You can add a gunshot <laughs> wound to the body if you miss your shot, which I did. I missed the shot. See, I didn't. I, I didn't miss it. And because I got the shot, I was able to do you know, the aces low with Kim and built up a, a very early boost in uh, uh, standing with him. Yeah, I got the what's the other one? Aces high. Yeah, which gives you the the small boost with him. I got that one, but I missed my first shot, and I had to actually redo that one. Um, and I, I got it on the second try. Yeah, I got it the first try. Actually, yeah, I, I, part of me wonders if I should have just. Uh, uh, I I really want to play this game again and with a completely different skill set. Me too. I would like to do it with a physical focus playthrough. Yeah, because my physical stats were garbage. <laughs> Same. Uh, I was a smart uh, but weak uh, boy. Yeah, I'm not sure what happened or if I didn't notice my morale was uh, low and uh, just everything hit right when the uh, hangman came down. I lost a good two hours of gameplay because my character decided, okay, fuck this. I'm done. I never had that happen. Not at I'm all. Not, I'm not sure if just, yo. Know, there was some sort of check during the uh, that sequence uh, that I didn't realize was uh, you know going to crash my morale, uh, and that's something that we never really talked about. There's uh, essentially two health bars. There's a a physical health bar of you know how your body is doing, which gets impacted via actual harm coming to you, uh, either inflicted upon you or inflicted upon yourself. 
you know, like kicking a trash can will uh, possibly damage your health. But also, you know, getting shot with a, you know, with, with a gun, obviously, but, you know, a radio transmitter device, uh, like in that big standoff with Ruby, also damages your health. Yeah. But then there's morale, which uh, failing certain checks or taking certain choices either heals or damages your morale. And depending on your stats, you could have you know, a single health point in morale. And you yeah. gotta be extremely careful. Yep. And then there are items that you can get that will will boost or lower, you know, lower those either. You know, it's kind of like some of them just straight, you know, the alcohol and drugs basically will give you uh, morale or health back. Um, or we'll kind of borrow from one and give to the other, depending on what it is that you're using. Um, the system, like you said, depending on your stats, you could have to be extremely careful. Or you could be reckless as fuck like me and use drugs. <laughs> I I won't say I that I ignored part- the I- system. I was always considering it, but it never stopped me from doing something. I, so I was like, well, I'll just use drugs. Part of the reason why... You didn't get the extremely good ending because I think you have to be clean or internalize a certain thought in order to get uh, Kim to like you enough. Yeah. Because I do know that there was whenever I looked at the thoughts at the end of the game there was a certain thought that contributed greatly to the uh, uh, to Kim, like you, if you had taken drugs. Yep, I uh, I took a bunch of drugs. So that could be it too. That's pro. I I suspect that's it. I mean, I don't. I didn't do anything that I think the game itself considered very immoral. Other than I I kept using those drugs hardcore. <laughs> like it. Like probably every in game day, I was smoking. I was drinking alcohol. You know, I was I was going hard, but. Yeah, I, any anything else that you have to say about it? Any particular moment that you want to call out as being, you know, really good or really bad? Or do you feel like you've you've said your piece? I mean, I know, I think we I can do sit think here. That there, I do think that there was a couple, you know, really great little set pieces. Like when you find your car. When you find your car, yeah. And you're just kind <laughs> of sitting there with Kim. And he's just, yeah, waiting for you to realize, oh, wait, that's my car, isn't it? Yep. <laughs> That was a a beautiful moment. That was one of the true, actual, like you know, laugh out loud moments of the of the adventure. I had quite a few, uh, especially you know uh, Kim's just deadpan sarcastic wit. You know, yeah. Uh, uh the church dealing with the crab man. <laughs> Basically, this guy that's ascended to coffee. <laughs> I found my spirit animal, what can I say? Right. I really liked, um, well, the the dice woman. I liked the, what was essentially an internet-based role-playing game um, in the basement of that same building. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, you, you find, if you do, you know, sort of an investigation, you find this what is, what would be the inverse, in, in-universe equivalent of, like, the internet. Um, an, an RPG that is designed to be played over the internet. I thought that was pretty neat. Um, that was more of just kind of a, a discovery thing as opposed to a 
specific character encounter. Yeah, I, I think that there's more to that if you follow a certain set of uh, stuff. But, yeah, that was one I just, uh, you know, gave up on and sold a few things. To, yeah. To, yeah, to pay off my bills. Yeah. And that's kind of the thing is that you can just, you know, you know focus solely on the main story and figure out the hangman uh, case. And, you know, yeah, yeah. Fuck everything else. Or you could uh, go down these little rabbit holes of you know finding uh, uh, the guy that uh, in his drunken stupor uh, fell and bashed his head open. Or did you find that one? Um, was that guy down by the docks? Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Then yeah, I found that guy. Yeah, yeah you encounter his wife earlier, and she kind of makes an offhand comment about you know her husband off drinking or something. And then yeah. you find him, uh, he had died a day or two before. Uh, he was drinking, uh, went out on the rotten docks, foot went through the dock, and he hit his head and just died. And have to, you know, break the news to her, depending on how you uh, handle it, you know, you get uh, reputation with Kim, and right? Yep. I would say he- if you're rushing it, this is a good 15 to 20 hour game. But I think if you're rushing it, you're kind of missing the point of it. Yeah. While there is a... Uh, t- well, there's not really a time limit. That's also kind of the other thing, is that uh, there's only so much you could advance the clock uh, through dialogue. And then there's the time skip after the tribunal. Uh, but beyond that, yeah, you're never really at a hard time limit outside of a couple tasks. And I'm not even sure if those would fail if you don't make them, because I didn't want to risk it. Yeah. Especially since one of them was getting a piece of your equipment back, which turned out to be very useful. Yeah. And, I'm, and, I'm, and it does make me wonder how the military tribunal would have handled uh, if you didn't have your gun. Yeah, because I, I did have my gun. Yeah, I had my gun. Uh, the uh, the pigs was a was an interesting encounter, huh? Yeah. Basically, uh, person suffering psychosis and thinks that they're a cop only they're like a cop fanboy and literally wearing sirens and lights right social commentary (laughs) there's so much social commentary in this huh yeah so honestly i think most of my favorite moments are the small subtle moments Mm -hmm. um you know the two military veterans in front of the the hostile um, well, I guess a, a little south of the hostel, but, you know, having a conversation um, where you can join in and you can talk to them and learn about the history of the world or the little girl who works, uh, who's working with her mom at the bookshop and having a conversation with her about like, you know, you could do more kid stuff or instead of trying to be the best salesman, you could focus on your school, like those little moments or the interactions with the, you know, the junk store pawn shop guy. <laughs> He was he was a character out of his uh, gourd. Oh yeah, high as a fucking kite. Some of the interactions you can have with the people in the apartment complex. Well, I say apartment complex, the slums. Yeah, that's also the other thing is that it has a very like steampunk noir feel because yeah, you know, all the cars are like uh, essentially almost Victorian hybrid. Uh, 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 automobiles, but they're all driven by 
it, it's an internal combustion engine, but it's not you know a gasoline internal combustion engine. They talk about you know heating the fuel and uh, and it's not diesel either. It's a, a, something else. So it has this very mix of noir feel, a little bit I'm a steampunk, a little bit of diesel punk. It has a just such a wild uh, theming to its world, and how utterly depressing it is, huh? Yeah, it it feels like an extremely lived in world. It doesn't feel like that anybody you can truly interact with feels like they have got a life and a story and their own adventure. And it's like, oh, I'm only like just barely touching this person's adventure. And some mm-hmm. people get a little more, obviously. And then the the characters connected to the main story or the you know the the secondary subplots or whatever, you know, they get a lot of development. But everyone that you talk to for any length of time has got some depth to their character. The uh, the the fucking cashier at the mm-hmm. and you might have not talked to her all that much. Um, but at the drugstore where you can buy your booze and cigarettes <laughs> is a, like a college student who's working a shitty job to put herself through college. And she's got an interesting backstory and some little side quests that you can send her on or that she can send you to do if you go. Yeah, and, yeah, I, didn't get, yeah I didn't get the, her uh, backstory. Yeah. But, you know, uh, but then again, I also spent a lot of time with the barkeep trying to make amends there. Yep. Which, and I, uh, I did not. Didn't. I didn't. Yeah. I mean, you know, I talked to him, but I'm I not really... sure. I'm not sure if you got it at the end, but at the end, uh, yo, he uh, declares that yo, uh, anytime I'm in town, uh, I could stay for free uh, there. <laughs> yep. Nope. He definitely did not say that to me. Yeah. Uh. Uh. And uh, how proud he was to be associated with me now, because right. Yep. He didn't do that with me either. But I mean, that's cool. That's cool. I really do want to have another go at this game. I'd like another playthrough, maybe two more playthroughs at some point, and I definitely will be coming back to it in the in the future. I won't say the near future. It is a very heavy game. It is difficult to play. That might get better as time goes on, um, but, you know, it doesn't shy away from difficult difficult I mean, ideas hell, and social uh, they, commentary. I mean, and I mean, hell, they talk about child abuse just right up. Yep. I mean, uh, Kuno uh, outright pretty much says that his uh, father beats him all the time. Yeah. Did you... I assumed this was mandatory, but maybe it's not. Did you go with Kuno to his father's apartment? No, I broke him by myself. Oh, shit. I went with Kuno. No, I went in completely by myself. Damn. Yeah, I went in there with him. And, like, he helps he helps you sneak in, and his dad's asleep, passed out drunk. And he shows you around and gives you a couple extra items. Yeah, see, I went in completely by myself. Well, technically not myself. Uh, Kim was with me. And my outlandish tie, which was silent. He's a silent partner. I mean, his style speaks volumes, but his mouth is... is his lips are sealed. Uh, sewn shut. One might say. But yeah, I didn't do that at all. I did accept the check uh, from uh, Everett, but then again, kind of needed the money at that point. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I basically, I mean, I took money at every opportunity mm-hmm. that I could get it. Yeah, I did do the Hobart Cop thing, and 
I walked around collecting bottles for a while. You can get money from the union, guys. I did anyways. Yeah, see, I didn't do that, but... Because, you know, they saw me as union, so they helped me out. So it's a good game. It's a solid A+. Plus. As, long as, as long as you're, you know, not too turned off by some of the difficult concepts that it tackles, or just sort of the gameplay in general. Like, if you, you know, yeah, if you hate is, this kind of game. It does take a while to pick up, because, you know, that beginning does take quite a while to get going. Yeah, but, yeah. I mean, this is a, you know, a two thumbs up, full-throated recommend, like, unless you just hate this kind of game, I, I think it's a game that everyone should play, at least once. Yeah, it's going to be tough to beat for uh, Game of the Year, huh? Yeah. Starting strong. Well, you get a okay. uh, starting strong, our next game. Right? Yeah, our next game. So we were going to play Boyfriend Dungeon, but that was taken off of Game Pass, and we don't yeah. own it anywhere else. Yeah, it was taken off Game Pass like six months ago, and I, I just missed it going off Game Pass. So we picked Boom. another yeah. kind of heavy, difficult, possibly game called Road 96. Um. The the tagline, hitchhike your way to freedom in this crazy procedurally, procedurally generated road trip. No one's road is the same. And this is a game that tackles some some big ideas about, um, well, from what I've been led to believe, haven't played it, but from what I've heard, it, it tackles some big ideas, uh, again, some social commentary issues, um, immigration, uh, capitalism, different social ideas, um, the idea, you know, of a cab, all cops are bastards, like kind of tackle some stuff related to that. As you take a road trip to, I believe, flee the country. Mm -hmm. Before the borders are uh, essentially locked down. Yep. So I'm, I'm also looking forward to this one. It looks like they're doing a prequel as well. To what? Uh, to road 96. Ah, is it called Road 95? No, uh, Road 96 Mile Zero. Oh. Uh, looks like it's going to be released in April. Cool beans. Uh, covers a couple of characters that you encounter in one of the uh, locales, how they got there. Uh, you've actually not played this at all. I've played a little bit of it, so. Yeah, I've installed it. I'm mm -hmm. probably going to start playing it this weekend. I don't know, maybe maybe a little before. I'm not doing anything tomorrow night, so I might start playing it tomorrow. I also might just go to bed tomorrow as soon as I get home. <laughs> That's what I'm going to do as soon as we finish recording, is go straight to fucking bed. But we're not there yet, and if we're going to get there, we need yeah, to... Yeah, we got a little bit of bad news when it comes to Disco Elysium. Yeah, so this... when you Whenever you, you pulled this up, I was like, I thought this news article was, was a little older, and then I looked on Kotaku... The, the yeah, but if it's very appropriate when we talk about Disco Elysium. Yeah, so this article was published on October the 3rd of 2022. Um, Disco Elysium Studio accused of ousting creators. Dev says it's bad news for a sequel. Yeah, which is just heartbreaking to me. Yeah. Uh, essentially... Uh, well, one of the comments on this kind of says it better than that. Well, I could. Uh, the lessons at Disco Elysium come to uh, real life, right? Yeah. The publishers kind of 
overtook the company and kicked out the development team, or at least the uh, head of the developments. Which is such a goddamn shame. I hate when publishers do that. It's like, certainly you run the risk if you don't have anybody to help rein things in of becoming like a Peter Molyneux Mm -hmm. or something like that, you know, like, but for, for creators, any kind of creators to make a game on the scope of Disco Elysium, like you, they have to have a lot of their own creative control and freedom to make something like that work. I mean, honestly, Disco Elysium is a miracle. It's it, like it's lightning in a bottle, one in a million kind of game. Like I can't imagine a sequel or you know a series being like it feels like every one would get worse than the the previous one. And maybe I'm wrong. I mean, honestly, I hope I'm wrong. I hope that you know somewhere along the line this recovers and becomes like a full fledged like series and the tabletop game comes to fruition and you know etc. But Honestly, this is like a lightning in the bottle, kind of one in a million, like in a tour, gets a chance to make the thing that they want to make, and it turns out perfectly. And it feels like a publisher, you know, this is just my kind of intuition, but it feels like the publisher basically is like, oh, sweet, you made us, you made us a winning formula, so we'll kick you guys out, we'll hire some people who can do this cheaper, and uh, we'll start churning them out, or churning out something like it, you know? Mm Mm-hmm. And you can't do that to this type of, of thing. But, yes. What, uh... I mean, you pretty much covered it, is that... Uh, you can't take a deep world and try to just push stuff, because um, part of what really sells this uh, game is just the deep lore. Especially stuff that you can miss that you could only have told to you by having certain skills. Talking about you know, the war, the revolution, uh, the sacking of the city, why it's in such a state, and why nobody wants to get stuck policing it. While the why the police are essentially a group of volunteers, or you know, paid volunteers, I guess I should say. Yeah. And why yeah, the fact that uh, Harry uh, is able to close two cases a week is considered extraordinary, right? Yeah. Because of how lawless everything is. The fact that everything is not explicitly told to you unless you, you know, all the stars align adds so much depth to the world. And we're just seeing a possibility of kind of running the same type of game over and over and over again. And this is a battle royale. That's not going to work, right? Yeah. Absolutely. The foundation, I do see the idea of like using the foundation. Like, okay, we've flushed out this system of skills and traits. Like, let's stick to that. That's fine. But, you know, you can't just churn out a bunch of these stories. They take oh, a lot of especially, thought. And... Especially in our, a deep RPG like this. I didn't even think how much uh, uh, the actual text is in this game. Yeah, how long it is. Yeah. And the game really does, you know, I guess mingling some more game club in here, the game really does think of almost everything you could think of as a player. As someone who has played tabletop RPGs and has pushed and pushed and pushed a system to the point that, you know, the GM has to be like, all right, you need to cool it. Like, the game has instances where that happens, where it's like, okay, we see what you're doing here. 
bring it down a notch, please. It's like, oh, damn, they thought of that. You know, like you have to have people who really are invested in what it is that they're making. And I don't want to, I don't want to go off in the whole, like, well, you have to be passionate to make good games or whatever. Like, I think that's become a poison pill in the games industry, but you have to at least, uh, take pride in or pleasure in your work. Like you do have to be invested in it, care about it in order to do something like that. You can't just churn this out. Okay. So I did find uh, at least some claimings of, uh, text length because I was curious. Uh, according to the developer, uh, the game script is over 1 million words. Uh, comparison from this article, Fallout 4 is 110,000 lines of text. Damn, right? Yeah. <laughs> Which I know. That's barely the same genre now with Fallout. Fallout is more shooter with a little bit of RPG elements sprinkled on. Compared to a full-on, essentially, CRPG. Yeah. This says, A million words translates to roughly 2,000 pages of 8.5 by 11 single-spaced notebook paper or printer paper. Using, you know, quote, what it calls typical font. So I'm guessing that means like 10 or 11 point font. According to this, the game was also based on a novel written by one of the developers. Unfortunately, it's only in Estonian. Damn. I would buy that shit in a heartbeat and read it. They were supposed to be working on a uh, translation, but I'm not sure what's happened to it. That's okay. I won't worry about it for now. I'll try to find it later. Uh, Well, uh, here's the Goodreads link. Oh. Send it to you on Discord. But, yeah. Okay, um, let's, uh, unless you have anything else to say, let's move on to our community corner. Yeah, it's just a damn shame, right? Yeah. No, no good, no good deed goes unpunished. Mm, Pretty much. So, yeah, where can people send us stuff before we, we do our one community corner? uh, Assuming you pass the skill check, you do so... (laughs) Over at videogamelogic at gmail.com, tweet us, read your uh, podcast on said Twitter, or drop by the Discord, which you can find a link to that over at vglpodcast.podbean.com. Indeed. So, our one community corner topic um, AMD is undershipping chips to balance its CPU GPU supply. Uh, right. Yeah, so on the one hand, I get it. And, you know, there is still a, a worldwide chip shortage, still lingering effects from COVID-19. Uh, are we well talking as, ruffle kettle, uh, kettle chip? Yes. But still lingering effects from COVID-19, supply chain issues, and the fact that there's just a long tail ripple effect on all of this with how orders are placed months or years in advance for silicon. Um, so AMD having their hand in many pots, not being specifically a CPU or a GPU manufacturer, you know, they're doing both as well as mobile chips and like so on and so forth. You know, they're, they're choosing to balance, um, how much they're, they're dedicating to each one and how much of each side of their, I'm going to say business that they are 
releasing at a time. For better or for worse, I do see the logic in this. I think I disagree with it um, because, you know, that allows for artificial scarcity and price fixing, price fixing and scalping and all of that jazz. And so. ridiculous uh, GPE prices to persist. Yeah, horrible markups. The secondhand market to get out of fucking hand again. So let's just see. Oh, Tom's hardware uh, popped up. So, um, oh, <laughs> I'm looking at the chart of uh, Radeon uh, uh, November eBay prices versus the retail. And there's some that's down, but oh, right. Yeah. Yeah, it it just sucks because a lot of this is also driven by cryptocurrency, which is, ugh, right? Yeah, cryptocurrency has been on the decline, but that, you know, it's still around. People are still doing it. Mm -hmm. I assume hoping it will rebound and they can make a shitload of money again. But I know for, yeah, uh, for a select few, they're going to make all the money. And then everyone else is going to get fucked. Yeah, everybody else that's not at the top of the pyramid scheme. Which is most of the people. Yeah. yeah. But I know, uh, cryptocurrency isn't entirely a a pyramid scream, but damn, does it feel like it at times? Yeah. So, yeah, I don't know. I get it. It still kind of sucks. The effects of it kind of suck. I don't know what else to say. Do you you have anything else to say? Uh, Almost feels like we need another GPU and uh, CPU maker these days, doesn't it? Yeah, because I mean, it, Intel with the Arc GPU is is stepping into the ring a little bit more, but yeah. you know, like you you mean new new, yeah, or I should say an actual third player, yeah, because as it stands right now, AMD and Nvidia have kind on of, almost a solid agreement on uh, keeping prices extremely high when AMD historically was the cheaper option. But now, yeah, right? Yeah. I'm just a little disheartened, I guess I should say. Uh, seeing AMD just inflating prices to a grandiose dis- degree. I don't think I really count as a fanboy, but I tended to gravitate towards AMD products just because they were cheaper for almost the same performance. Usually, I should say. I mean, there's been times that it's burnt me because... uh. Uh, I would uh, go for something that I think would pan out, but it didn't pan out like it did. Like uh, the FX chips, they were better for multi-core processing, which was good for video rendering, but not so good for gaming. But I thought that you know, gaming would do more multi-core processing, but <laughs> oh boy, right? Yeah. But that one's more on me than uh, AMD, you know, screw on me. But now... Uh, I'm just glad I'm not building a computer right now. Right. Alrighty. Where can they send us stuff one more time, Rage? I know you just said it a minute uh, ago, but podcast, say it again. VGLpodcast at gmail.com. Tweet us VGLpodcast. I'm still checking it, even though I don't really do Twitter that much these days. What can I say? I just don't want to stroke uh, Elon's ego. Right. Fair enough. Or you can drop by the Discord, VGLpodcast at gmail.com. Or sorry, VGLpodcast.podbean.com. Yeah. Nice. Well, hey, Rage, why don't you uh, hit him with them socials of yours? Well, if you want to see what I p- tweeted in the past and maybe catch me in the future, 
uh, uh, gave me a CR. If you should be my friend on Steam, Caffeine Rage. And you've been? I have been Jared. You can find me on Twitter at JMA4707. Impatient Zero. And as, yes, as Patient Zero. I've been engaging quite a bit here recently with the Battletech community, which is not exactly new, but lots of times I'll just shit. Or healthy. <laughs> yeah. But a lot of times I'll just shit post, but I've actually been communicating with members of the community. You can also find me on occasion over on twitch.tv slash runic arts, where I run a Vampire in the Masquerade game that we play. And um, I don't know, because it hasn't been released yet, um, but I did some, I guess you could say consulting, some psych consulting for another podcast that I listen to called If Books Could Kill. Um, I don't know if I'm going to get like any special crediting on that podcast or not when the episodes I consulted for released, but that was a right place, right time kind of situation where the guy who runs that podcast, um, was asking on Twitter for people with psych backgrounds or specialties to talk to him about some of the books that they're doing for this, uh, spring season of if books could kill. And uh, I happened to just get in there fast enough and show him my credentials. So I did some some consulting. It was pretty cool. I mean, I didn't get paid anything, uh, which I guess kind of sucks, but I had a fun time doing it. So mm-hmm. if you've heard of the podcast you're wrong about or maintenance phase, um, he is uh, Michael Hobbs from both of those podcasts uh, on his new podcast, If Books Could Kill. Also, if you have uh, follow Twitter's, was it the Law Boy? Um, he's a lawyer who runs the Five to Four podcast. He's also on If Books Could Kill, so you might kind of be connected through either of those avenues. Um, but they will be coming out in, I guess, the spring in like April, May, June ish time. Well, if we see a big spike, all right? Yeah. Hello. They're probably not coming back here, but hello. Uh, did you uh, get uh, shout out the podcast? Uh, I did. Um, I mean, uh, you know, I didn't do any recordings, but he asked me if I did stuff that um, would be worth mentioning. And I told him about our show. Woo. So, Michael Hobbs is a journalist, so I assume he's going to cite his sources, probably in um, the uh, his podcast notes page or show notes page. So fingers crossed. But yeah, uh, that's that's the places where you can find me. So as we come up to the end of things, what for the third time in what fifteen minutes? Yeah, VGL podcast at gmail.com with your letters, voicemails, game related topics, tweets, VGL podcast, or if you wish to drop by the Discord, VGL podcast And if you wish to spread the love, you can find us on your podcatcher of choice. Our lovely, lovely patrons have made this madness possible. You can find out more at patreon.com slash Podcast. Our intro and outro music is on the ground by Kim McLeod. You can find his work over at incompetech.com. And as always, as, as his lovely music starts to roll across my voice. Bye-bye now. See ya. Bye-bye.